The Breakdown Politics With Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies Telling you what you need to know regarding politics Breaking it down Politics Welcome to another episode of Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies bringing you the news you can use so you don't lose when it comes to this evil game of politics. That's Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. Merck, do your thing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So I know we're supposed to be on a hiatus until the end of the year, but... Every now and then stuff pops up and I'm like, okay, I got to I gotta come out of hiding <laughs> and talk about some of this stuff. So we, we are a lot to talk about. We're going to jump right into it. First of all, we're going to talk about something that I find to be hilarious. Uh, I just found this out this afternoon. Uh, somebody burned down the Fox News Christmas tree. Now, I can laugh about it because nobody was hurt, right? And police arrested a 49-year-old homeless man near the scene. He didn't have any accelerant on him, but he had a, a, a lighter. So I guess they figured that's just good enough, you know. Now, the only reason why I find this to be funny, I mean, arson is not funny, you know. Something else could have caught fire or somebody could have been hurt, especially if there was little kids around because, you know, little kids love Christmas trees, right? Uh, the reason why I find it funny is because it was in front of the Fox News building. So now I'm just waiting for the the, the cavalcade of horrific nonsense to come from Fox News about the war on Christmas and how, you know, Meghan McCain is already starting up. And they were like, well, you can't call Republicans violent thugs if they're burning down Christmas trees. Like, yeah, Meghan, because January 6th and burning down one Christmas tree is exactly the same thing. You know, it was it was the reason why they love your your insight on the view. Oh, no, that's right. They hated you because you sucked. And they made you rage quit. So shut up, Megan McCain, you entitled brat. Um, but uh, Fox and Friends has already started in, you know, and it, it's it's funny because they re they always talked about war on Christmas, war on Christmas, and now the war has been brought right to their doorstep, <laughs> right in front of their building, and I'm just waiting for the you know next few days just a cacophony of ridiculousness to come from Fox news. So glad nobody was hurt. You know, uh, we'll see what happens to this guy that they, that they caught. Hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, if he burned down this tree, maybe he's got, you know, something going on and maybe they'll give him the help that he needs. Um, Donald Trump. I don't like talking about Donald Trump, but there is one thing that always makes me laugh about, the Donald Trump sycophants like uh, Mark Meadows and Chris Christie, because we all know Donald Trump is going to run for president because he has nothing left in his life. You know, his life is just a, a hollow shell and it's not even like a hollow chocolate shell. That's still tasty. It's basically just like, it's just, he's just a hollow shell of a man. You know, he's trying to make his own, uh, he got kicked off Twitter. So he was like, screw you guys. I'll make my own social, uh, you know, social media site, you know. And somebody made a point today. They said that if Donald Trump made his own social media site and he got an actual CEO to run it, it could do very well. It could be a billion dollar company, but he's he's not going to do that. He's going to run it like a mob boss and he's going to get somebody loyal to be the CEO so he could just extract money from the company because that's what Donald Trump does. He's a parasite. But um, I'm bringing up Donald Trump for one reason. Mark Meadows was his uh, 
one of his chiefs of staff who wrote a book about Donald Trump, you know, about his time in the White House. And he revealed something that people wondered about. And now we know is true. When Donald Trump had his debate with and I will tell you this, when Donald Trump got covid, I had a whole bunch of my Trump loving friends, uh, you know, unfriend me on Facebook because I said something very mean. I said that the worst thing ever, I said the second worst thing that happened to America was Donald Trump surviving COVID. The worst, of course, being Donald Trump being president, you know, because if Donald Trump died of COVID, that would have been like the wake up call that the the right wingers would have needed and they would have taken it seriously. And there'd be conspiracy theories, but they'd also know that COVID can actually kill you. But Donald Trump survived and Things just got worse from there. But Mark Meadows, in his book, he basically outed the fact that Donald Trump tested positive for COVID days before he had the debate with Joe Biden. So he was already sick when he debated Joe Biden. And of course, you know, Trump wasn't wearing a mask or anything like that. So he could have gotten not just Joe Biden, but they were contact tracing him. They found out that he had been in contact with hundreds of people since he got sick. So, of course, now the part that made me laugh and maybe want to talk about this. Blue, you remember um, we talked about Taylor Swift and when she covered Earth, Wind and Fire September? Ooh, boy, do I remember that hot mess. <laughs> I, I didn't get a chance to pull her name, but one of the women, uh, there was a, a woman who helped write that song. So when, of course, when Taylor was getting dragged, she defended Taylor Swift. But the funny part about that was that she didn't listen to the song first. She just came out and just defended Taylor Swift. And then she listened to the song. And then she was like, uh, I'm going to have to take back my defense of you. This song sucks. It's basically what happened with Donald Trump's book. Because Donald Trump doesn't read. You know, you figure... And this is, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to be funny. Donald Trump is make is making a book. It's literally a picture book. It's basically just pictures of him during his time in the White House, and then supposedly he's going to write the captions for the for the pictures. He it may as well just be a pop up book. Knowing Donald Trump and his level of reading comprehension, so Donald Trump doesn't read. So of course he had one of his lackeys do a write-up about Mark Meadows' book and how it, you know, it would be a great stocking stuffer and all this other stuff. But Donald Trump never read the book. So when Donald Trump found out that he got outed for having COVID before he had the debate with Joe Biden, he basically just called the book stupid. So what did Mark Meadows do? Mark Meadows basically was on TV and they asked him about it and he said, oh, it's just, it's, it's just fake news. I never said that about Donald Trump. Yeah, you did. It's in your fucking book. It's right there in black and white. You said it. It's there. But he was trying to say that the media framed it differently than what it was intended. Because they're all still terrified of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is still king of the hill. When Chris Christie's book came out, it only sold like six or 8,000 copies in this first week, which is really low, right, for, for a major release. You know why? Because Chris Christie was on every show imaginable. And when he talked about Donald Trump, he couldn't give a straight answer. Now, when they asked Chris Christie if he was going to run for president, he said uh, he, he kept denying it. But usually that's what you do. You write a book and you test the waters and you see, hey, do people like me? Should I run for president? And based on his book sales, he shouldn't run for president because he's going to get stomped. And basically all these people are just wasting. They're just wasting time because as soon as Trump officially announces he's going to run in 2024, they're all just going to back. They're all just going to back down. So Donald Trump is still the king of the hill. He still represents the Republican Party. So dumbasses like Joe Biden who thought, well, now that Trump's not president, the fever will break and then Republicans will just go back to normal. Nah. Mm -mm. Donald Trump is the Republican Party. 
And long after he's dead, he will continue to be the Republican Party. He's everything they ever dreamed of. So they just need they just need to just come to that realization and then just realize that politically, politically, Republicans are not to be reasoned with it to be defeated. Yeah. Uh, also, real quick, there was an article that caught my eye. Uh, Blue, do you shop at Costco? Nah, I got a Sam's card. I might have been there once. Had a Costco card I shared with my ex at one time. I personally used it maybe once or twice. She used it all the time. I think that those things, as, as beneficial as they are, to some degree are wasteful for those who don't really use them. But I'm Amazon Prime all day, I'll be honest. Yeah. Amazon Prime is basically my guilty pleasure. Like everything else, I'll boycott, but I can't really boycott Amazon because I'm just very, I don't really, I don't drive a car. I don't really go places. So I just order stuff, you know, I, I got a, I got a new phone on Sunday and I, I've been with T-Mobile for like four days now and I already hate them. They just, they just suck. I would never go on. I was with Sprint, but T-Mobile bought out Sprint. So then I had to convert and I decided to upgrade my phone. I got the, um, uh, I got the Galaxy, uh, the newer Galaxy, the one that came out earlier this year. So it's a definitely an upgrade of my old phone. But they already hit me with a surprise bill because I paid my December bill and I paid like $90 in taxes and they hit me with another bill for like 116 bucks due in like two weeks. Now I'm like, I just paid you guys a bunch of money. Where is this coming from? I'm not supposed to be billed again until January. So now I got to call these scumbags and get that straightened out. But when I was in, when I lived in New York, it was a, uh, I forget what they used to call it. Was it Sam's Club or something like that? You know, or, well, actually, no, not Sam's Club, a uh, Price Club. And then, you know, then they had all the other, and like I said, that was like back in the the late 80s, early 90s. And that was like the, the rise of these, uh, you know, these stores. But Costco, from what I hear, is basically, uh, it's a good place to work, from what I hear. Right. And they definitely pay more than Walmart and uh, and Target. But there was a TikTok video that came out. Right. So basically an employee, I guess it, it was a slow day. Right. So she basically just made a video and they said, when you make twenty nine fifty just to draw smiley faces on receipts. Right. And she says and she said, and it's union. Gotta love Costco. Right. So, of course, there were people who got mad. They went ballistic over it. So one person wrote, uh, I guess she's a, a, in the medical field. She says, I'm out here saving lives and you're putting smiley faces on paper and we have the same pay. She was like, make it make sense. Another person wrote, I work in the medical field and I don't even get paid this. Right. Uh, here's the thing about that. And this is something I've been saying for years and years. If one company is treating their people right, you can't just say, well, I don't get paid that much. You should get paid less to match how I feel about your work. You should maybe petition your boss and maybe you should be getting paid more. And I think that's the one part that these people always miss. And a matter of fact, one person, uh, he wrote a uh, he wrote a response. He said, what's crazy to me is that this happens so often where people in certain fields think that they should be making way more than people working, quote unquote, easier jobs like retail or food service. They always bitch about how those people should be making less instead of how they should be making more. He says, if you think it's unfair that you and this person make the same pay, maybe you should be upset with your employer instead of another working class person. I'll tell you right now, if I'm pretty sure that that person who's making the 2950 is basically, she's probably been there for years. And I think that's the thing about retail is that matter of fact, somebody had a, um, had a quote, this is why I've seen the same Costco employees for years. Walmart has new employees every week. Because people go to Walmart, they work there, it sucks, 
And then they just move on. As opposed to being in the same place. Like I used to work retail. I worked at a record store back when, back when they had record stores. <laughs> and now everything is digital, of course. We're talking about back in the, the late 90s when I used to work there. But um, I liked the job, you know, until we got bought out by a company called Transworld, who was super corporate. And I hated working for them every second of every day. But when they were the wall or Camelot, uh, they were great places to work. And I would have probably have still been working there. Well, if, if they hadn't gotten bought out, except for one thing, the pay sucked. Pay in retail sucks. Put it like this. I'd have been a retail manager for five years. When I left that, uh, when I left that job, I made more working in a mailroom than I made as a retail manager. So that's how much the pay in retail sucks. So somebody's getting paid 30 bucks an hour to work at a billion dollar company, you know, stocking shelves or doing whatever. Let, let them make their money. Stop hating on them. That's what apartments do out here in most places that don't have rent control. If one apartment complex can get away with charging $1,100 for like a 400 square foot apartment, you know, one bed, one bath, where you could pretty much just touch every room in the house from one spot. If they can get away with charging 1100 bucks for that, you know what the rest of the people will do? They will charge that for their rat trap apartments. They don't, they're not going to say, well, you should charge less. They're going to say, oh, you're charging more for this piece of shit apartment. We're all going to charge more now. You know, they call it market value. <laughs> you know, because here's the thing. If Costco is paying, let's just say I'm just making up numbers here. I don't know Costco's pay scale. Let's say they're starting at 20 bucks an hour and Walmart is starting at 11 and Walmart can't keep workers, then maybe they should just start charging 15, 16 bucks an hour to keep people. You know, now they won't do that. But, you know, if Costco's paying that money, hey, more if you're getting paid twenty nine fifty to draw smiley faces on receipts. Hey, God bless you. You know, and then everybody else who's hating, just stop it. You mad? Talk to your boss. Just don't bring no guns to work and talk to your boss. Just talk with words, not with your guns. You know. Speaking of guns, that's that's that's, that's my sloppy segue into uh into guns here. I want to do a I want to do a rehash of guns in America because we had an incident that happened uh, last week, uh, a shooting at a high school in Michigan, and and I want to talk about. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about some of this. Now, if you if you follow the show, I'll, some of this is going to be a rehash. Some of this might be new to you, but it is good. I think it's going to be important. Uh, remember one thing. When the Second Amendment was created, the revolver hadn't been invented yet. So all they had was single shot rifles. So if you had a flintlock rifle, right, flintlock rifle took about two to three minutes to load. Now, I was in on a, uh, a, a myth about the Minutemen, and I thought that for some reason, I thought that if you were if you were a Minuteman, that you could load those rifles in a minute, right? Like that was your special. It basically just means, hey, um, I'll be ready to fight in a minute's notice. That was the whole thing about the Minutemen. But a flintlock rifle takes about two to three minutes to load, Right. A musket actually takes about eight to 10 seconds to load, but that's eight to 10 seconds per shot. It's a single shot rifle. So you shoot it and then you got to load it and it takes about eight to 10 seconds. That's the guns that were available in, uh, you know, in 1789. So the revolver wasn't invented for another almost 50 years, not until 1835. The Gatling gun was invented in 1862 and Gatling guns were just, you ever see like the, like a, was it a predator? And I think it was Jesse Ventura's character who had the, the Gatling gun and he had the, you know, it was a huge gun and he had the, the big handle and he's just like, just 
mowed down the entire jungle. Like back in those days, a Gatling gun was like mounted. Oh, it was almost like a cannon. And then you actually turned a crank to, to shoot it, you know. So a lot of people thought that the Wild Wild West was just everybody walking around with guns on their hips and they get mad and they were like, oh, you disrespected me. I challenge you to a duel. And then they just go out and just, you know, walk 10 paces and turn and shoot. Yeah, they used to actually do that. And because they used to actually do that, guess what happened? People were like, we don't want you to do that. <laughs> so in the wild, wild west, there was gun control. This is from Matthew Cook. And this is from his essay, The Second Amendment Remedy. He has like a video, uh, video blog. He's on Facebook and he's also on YouTube. Check him out when you get a chance. He has some good stuff on there. Last name, C-O-O-K-E. So this is from uh, the Second Amendment Remedy. Shootout at the OK Corral between Wyatt Earp and his longtime enemies. That was over Tombstone, Arizona's ordinance about having a gun without a permit, which even for cowboys of the wild, wild west was common sense. He said in most towns, you checked your gun before entering. You received a token. And you got your firearm back when you left. There was no such thing as concealed carry in southern states. That was banned. And the courts repeatedly asserted their rights to regulate firearms as they saw fit. So everybody's view of the wild, wild west they got from movies, you know, and, and cartoons and, you know, Three Stooges shorts. Where everybody just walks around with guns and just, you know, like, uh, like, oh, you knocked over my sarsaparilla. Fill your hands. You know, it wasn't like that. You know, it was for a little bit until people just decided, yeah, I don't want to be walking down the street and get shot because two guys had a disagreement over a horse. Okay. And if you ever catch a clip from uh, Adam Ruins Everything, where they debunk a lot of, of myths about the Wild Wild West as well. So... We talked a little bit about America. Let's talk about some other countries, right? Real quick. England, right? England has very, very strict gun regulations, okay? This is from, uh, this is from Wikipedia, okay? Uh, let's see what we got here. Let me just go down to the meat and potatoes here. So England had a... Um, they've had their share of... Uh, massacres, okay? One of the worst was uh, the, the Dunblane Massacre that happened in 1996. So Thomas Hamilton, a 43-year-old former scout leader who had been ousted by the Scout Association in 1974, uh, shot dead 16 children and their teacher in Dublane Primary School Gymnasium with two Browning high-powered uh, pistols and two Smith & Wesson Magnum revolvers. He then shot himself. Okay. So um, in, a, in 2010, a 52-year-old taxi driver shot and killed 12 people and injured 11 others while driving through uh, Crumbria. Uh, he then shot himself. It says Bird was a licensed firearms holder. His weapons were a 12-gauge double-barrel shotgun and uh, a 22 caliber bolt-action rifle. So it's not, it's not to say that other countries don't have these things that happen. They do. But the question is, what are they going to do about it? Right? So in England, uh, let's see here. So basically in England, they had a whole bunch of different acts. Like every time something would happen, they would tighten up their gun law. So they had the Firearms Act of 1968. Right. Then he had one in 1988, one in 97, one in 2006, and then another one in 2019. So every time something were to happen, they were they tightened their grip on uh, on gun control. Because they don't want their citizens to keep repeatedly getting murdered. I've talked about Japan before. Right. Uh, basically Japan has some of the strictest gun laws, uh, in the world. I came across this information from Japan because I 
just came across a throwaway article about how all these gun clubs in Hawaii were making big money off of Japanese businessmen because they would go there to shoot guns because they can't shoot guns, uh, handguns in their own country. So handguns are banned in Japan. Okay. If you fire a gun in Japan, you're breaking three separate laws. One for owning the handgun, one for firing the handgun, and one for having handgun ammunition. So that means that you are facing, uh, and each one of those charges can get up to five years. So if you get the right judge on the wrong day, you're facing 15 years in prison just for firing a handgun. And that, and you haven't even killed anyone yet or shot anyone yet. So the gun laws are so strict, even the Yakuza rarely, if ever, use guns. Okay. Japanese cops don't, you know, they, some of them have guns, but they don't really use them. If you're being, uh, if you're being rowdy, they literally, and I'm not, I'm not making this up to be funny. They literally wrap you up in a yoga mat <laughs> and they take you to the station until you calm down. So they like Japanese cops are basically expected to become black belts in judo. Because firing a handgun is like the last solution for cops. There was one year, it was recent too, there were only, Japanese cops only fired six shots nationwide in a year. Six bullets for the entire country in one year. Shoot, cops in America will spend that on one suspect. And they do that in a year. And who's the most civilized country in the world? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and because of that, Japan has one of the lowest rates of gun crime in the world. So they said in 20, and this is from the BBC, in 2014, there were just six gun deaths compared to 33,000 in the, in, the, uh, in the U.S. So this is also from the BBC. If you want to buy a gun in Japan, you need patience and determination. Now, keep in mind, the only guns you can buy in Japan are shotguns and uh, air rifles. Keep that in mind. If you want to buy a gun in Japan, you have to attend an all-day class, take a written exam, pass a shooting range test with a mark of at least 95%. There are also mental health and drug tests. Your criminal record is checked, and police look for links to extremist groups. Then they check your relatives and even your work colleagues. As well as having the power to deny gun licenses, police also have sweeping powers to search and seize weapons. Handguns are banned outright. Only shotguns and air rifles are allowed. The law restricts the number of gun shops in most of Japan's 40 or so prefectures. There can only be no more than three, and you can only buy fresh cartridges by returning the spent cartridges you bought on your last visit. So this way, you're not stockpiling ammo. And because of this, Japan has one of the lowest gun deaths in the world, okay? Australia. Now, Australia had also had its, its share of horrific gun violence, right? The Port Arthur Massacre, also in 1996. This is when a gunman opened fire on shop owners and tourists with two semi-automatic rifles that left 35 people dead and 23 more wounded. This mass killing horrified the Australian public and transformed gun control legislation in Australia. Okay. This is a little bit long-winded, but I want you to bear with me. This is from Wikipedia. They had a ban on importation, ownership, sale, resale, transfer, possession, manufacture, or use of all self-loading center rifles, all self-loading and pump-action shotguns, and all self-loading uh, rimfire rifles. I don't know exactly what a rimfire rifle is. A uh, compensatory buyback scheme through which firearm owners would be paid the market value for prohibited firearms handled in a 12-month amnesty. So, of course, if you have a gun that suddenly became illegal, rather than you end up getting caught with it, they'll, they'll buy it back from you at market price. Uh, registration of all firearms as part of an integrated shooter license scheme. Uh, 
shooter licensing based on requirements to prove a genuine reason for owning a firearm, including occupational use. That's what New York has for their concealed carry. So in New York, you can buy a handgun or a, or a shotgun, you know, but if you want a concealed carry permit, you need a reason for it. You can't just say, because shit, shit is really real in my hood, yo. No, you got to have an actual reason to need a concealed carry permit in New York. So Australia, same thing. Uh, new licensed applicants are required to undertake accredited training courses in firearm safety. Uh, you need a license to own a firearm and a separate permit required for each purchase of a firearm subject to a 28-day waiting period, um, uniform and strict firearm storage requirements. Firearm sales to be conducted only through licensed firearm dealers and all records of sale to be provided to the police. Okay. So now you look at all this, right? And people will say, well, you know, they have all this strict stuff, right? Does it really help? Let's take a look. This is from World Population Review, right? You figure... Japan, well, let, let's start from the top. The United States is uh, their gun deaths per 100,000. So this is how many, so per every 100,000 people, these are how many people who are affected by gun deaths. And this is total gun deaths, right? Not just, uh, not just crime. United States is at 12.2 per 100,000. There are only, out of the 100 or so countries that, that are on the list, there's only nine countries that are above the United States on that list. That's Panama, Colombia, Brazil, Jamaica, Guatemala, Eswatini, and I'm pretty sure I pronounced that wrong, El Salvador, Venezuela, and Honduras. You notice that most of those are either South American or Central American countries. That's another story for another day. Okay. Um, so the three countries we talked about, where are they on the list? Australia. 1.06 gun deaths per 100,000. Uh, England, 0.26 gun deaths per 100,000. Japan, 0.06. The only two countries that have lower gun deaths per 100,000 than Japan is Singapore and Hong Kong. Because they also have very strict gun laws. So, uh, gun control works. Perfect example, New York. At one point, Death Wish could have been a documentary about, about crime in New York. And New York started to put up some really strict gun laws. Right? If you have a gun in New York, it has to be registered to you. And you are responsible for your gun. You can't just say, oh, I lost my gun and I never reported it. Because that is a crime. You go to prison for that, especially if the gun that you lost is used to hurt or kill someone else. Assault weapons are banned in New York. And your uh, your concealed carry permits and all that other stuff. Now, this part I have to get a citation on. They do not. Uh, they don't carry over to New York because I think that's what got Kodak Black in trouble when they were driving through New York and they got stopped and they had guns on them. Uh, I don't think that their whatever permits they had for those guns, they don't. Uh, they don't work in New York. So now that now, like I said, for the Kodak Black thing, I, I need citations on that. But New York is very strict with their gun laws. So uh, let's just look at the United States. OK. And I want you to I want you to, to pay attention to something here. Once again, gun deaths per 100,000. Uh, the top 10 states right for a gun violence i'll start from the i'll start from the from the worst and then just bring it on down alaska at 24.5 gun deaths per hundred thousand right that's the the starting so you have alaska alabama montana louisiana missouri mississippi arkansas wyoming west virginia and new mexico new mexico is at 18.5 gun deaths per hundred thousand right what do you notice about, about these states that I just read to you? 
what what jumps out at you about those states? They're led by Republicans. Mm -hmm. Nine out of 10 of those states, with the exception of New Mexico, nine out of 10 of those states are all red states. New Mexico is the only one of those that's a blue state. Now, if you look at the bottom 10, and I'll actually read this in, in reverse from 10 down to one. You got Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, California, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, Massachusetts, and Hawaii. Okay. Iowa is at nine gun deaths per 100,000. Hawaii is at 2.5 gun deaths per 100,000. What do you notice about those? Led by Republicans. Nah. Eight out of 10 of those states are led by uh, Democrats. Oh, shit. So, so Iowa and Nebraska are, uh, are red states. All the rest are blue states. So gun control does work. Now, there's one point where it doesn't work all that well, but there's a reason for it. Illinois. We all know Chicago's in Illinois, and we all know that Chicago is the punching bag of right-wingers, right? Right-wingers love ragging on Chicago. Oh, all the black-on-black -black crime and all that other dumb horse shit. And yes, there is a horrible amount of gun deaths in Chicago, a sacrilegious amount of gun deaths in Chicago. But why do you think that is? So Illinois is uh, 12.1 gun deaths per 100,000 in Illinois, right? Uh, they are surrounded by five states, okay? Four of those five states are red states. So Wisconsin is there bordered to the north by Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a blue state, 10.6 gun deaths per 100,000. They are bordered by four other states. Iowa, nine gun deaths per 100,000, right? Which is lower than Illinois. But then you have, they're also bordered by Indiana, 15.3 gun deaths per 100,000. Kentucky, 16.2 gun deaths per 100,000. And also Montana, 22.5 gun deaths per 100,000. All those states border Illinois. So if, now Illinois has an assault weapons ban. Oh, you can't get an assault weapon in Illinois? I'll just go to Indiana and get one. I'll just go to Montana and get one. So for gun safety to work, it's got to be nationwide. Got to be nationwide. President Prescott, let's just say, let's just say for argument's sake, for the sake of this whole thing, I had the power to shape gun laws, right? I'll, I'll pose it to you first. I'm, I'm going to throw a surprise question at you, Blue. Let's just say that you had to write the gun laws of this country, right? Just off the top of your head, what are some things that you would do? Well, much like I have to um, provide insurance for my car, I would probably have them have an insurance policy on the gun so that if they kill somebody or somebody gets injured by it, you know, they would have to pay out. Mm -hmm. Something else I might do would um, require training, you know, like a course or something or a test in order to um, like how you got to do it. The DMV, basically everything I have to do to have a car, I would do that. Um, I would have to have for um, gun control. Um, what do you call it? Not assessments, but um, oh, what are those things called? You know, the way they inspect your car, yearly inspections where they have to look yes. at your, your, your thing. Um, I like that thing that Japan does. I think that was Japan that you got to trade in munitions to get more munitions. So a yes. database that keeps track of that. I think that's beautiful. I never even would have thought of that if you didn't bring that up. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I, oh, I you know, it's like what they already have in place, safety, safety protocols that you have to have in place, like the, 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 the safety lock, the gun lock. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if, you, if they did it like like you got to keep a car, I think that would quell some stuff. Yeah. If you every type of gun has to be registered, even the ones you get out of Walmart. Yeah, absolutely. I would do I would do all of that and go one and go a little bit further. 
So, um, yes, the liability coverage for your gun. Yes, absolutely. You know, that that goes that would go without saying. Um, I would also actually ban all semi-automatic weapons. So in, in America, I didn't I didn't dig too deep into this, but there's also there's already a machine gun ban on in America. Machine guns are banned. Fully automatic weapons are banned. But because of a loophole, uh, semi-automatic rifles are still legal. So AR-15, stuff like that, still legal, right? Even though they are horribly, horribly deadly guns. So all semi-automatic weapons would be, uh, would pretty much be banned. And then I would give you two years to sell it back uh, for market price. But if you get caught with it after that, you're going to face those charges. Um, and basically, uh, I mean, I wouldn't let you go back to revolvers, but if you had a handgun, it can't have more than a 10 round clip. You know, shotguns, of course, would be legal and then single shot rifles would still be legal. Like if you want to go hunting or something like that. But AR-15s and all semi-automatic rifles banned across the country. Like that's not even necessary. Like what do you it, I'm sorry, is the Taliban coming over at night and then knocking over your trash cans? You don't really need a semi-automatic weapon or, or rifle for what? You know, I would. I would. Only way I would allow those weapons is if you go to a gun range and use those weapons and then leave them at the gun range. Like you don't own it. You just go there and then you just shoot them and then you just leave, and then the guns stay in the gun shop. But you don't really need a semi-automatic weapon. That's just that's just crazy. You know. I mean. I'm not going to waste your time going over all the accidental shootings that happen in this country all the time. People shooting their own relatives. There was a, we talked about this on the show. A guy shot his own wife on the front porch of their own house because he thought she was a burglar. She worked third shift. She came home early from a shift and uh, she couldn't find the keys. And her husband just shot her. He just opened the door and just fired. He meant to do that shit. He know what time that bitch get off. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, she came home early. Yeah. They let her off. They let her off really early, and she couldn't find her keys. And the kids were like, Daddy, Daddy, someone's trying to break in the house. And he, and, and, and you know the worst part about him shooting his wife like that? He had a gun safe. So at least he kind of had like, oh, okay, I got little kids in the house. I got to keep the gun in the safe. But What's the, what's the point of all that safety if you're just going to shoot your wife on the front porch? All I do is turn the light on. Oh, it's my wife. I guess I won't shoot her in the throat. He shot, he shot, her, in the, he shot her in the neck, by the way, did which she is die? a horrible way to die. So she did die? Oh, yeah, she died. Was he white? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. There, was a, there was a case where a kid... A toddler shot his mom, killed her in Walmart because she had the gun in her purse. And she had the purse hanging on, on the side of the of the stroller. The toddler just took it out. No safety on, of course. Toddler just took it out and just shot his mom by accident. One dumbass, his dog shot him in the back because he had a rifle in the back of the seat of the car with no safety on. And the dog uh, put his paw on the trigger. Shot the dude right in the back. He lived. Um... God, there was a guy, he was a sheriff's deputy, shot his own daughter. His daughter was had, had snuck out of the house. So when she came back in the morning as he was getting ready to go to work, uh, when she came in through the garage, he thought she was an intruder and shot her. Luckily, she lived. You know, but there's so many stories like this, just people just accidentally shooting each other, you know, because unfortunately, the more guns you have, the less safe you are. Not more safe, you're less safe. But of course, you know, they, they pulled my, my favorite analogy, the lunch lady Doris analogy, you know, and basically they were like, oh, you're complaining about all this data that shows that having more guns are unsafe. Well, we'll just get rid of that data. I'm probably going to do a whole show. I'm not going to talk about it now, but I'm probably going to do a whole show on how the, uh, the ATF got their teeth pulled out by Republicans. 
how you can't track gun sales, how you can't, you know, they pretty much just made them useless. Just so that they can't enforce, not only can they not enforce gun laws, but also not keep track of all the gun violence. That's why all these independent agencies are keeping track of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would just say the ATF is fucked pretty much. Like if you work for the ATF, it's just like you're it's a do-nothing job at this point because the government just pretty much just, you know, they just they just pull their teeth out, you know. There was a school shooting recently, and keep in mind, we've had Hold on, let me get my notes on this. Uh, here it is. In 2021, there have been 149 incidents of gunfire on school grounds, resulting in 32 deaths and 94 injuries. This is from a website called uh, Everytown Research and Policy. Keep in mind, that number is just K through 12. That's not including college campuses. That's just public school, you know, stuff. So uh, there was a kid, Ethan Crumbly. Uh, he basically killed a bunch of his classmates. So he killed four teenagers and wounded seven others with a handgun that was given to him by his parents. Of course, his parents tried to run. And, uh, you know, their lawyer was like, well, no, they weren't really trying to run. They were trying to run because basically... They knew their involvement in this was just, yeah, they're, they're the ones who gave the kid the gun. Now, they had been called into the school that day because Ethan was showing all the signs of being a psychopath. And for some reason, they did not let him, they did not take him home. They left him in school. And uh, then he just ended up just massacring a bunch of people. So right now, his parents are being held on $500,000 bail each. Now, I want to see who's brave enough to start a GoFundMe for them. We'll see it. We'll see how long that lasts. But here's the thing about the Crumblies, right? They're right-wingers. They're Trump supporters. So, of course, uh, basically, they uh, the right wing is basically trying to deflect. So there was, I, I didn't get the, um, I know there's something I forgot to do today. There was a, um, some news program tried to blame uh, violent video games on the shooting, right? And they were saying because they, because uh, Ethan had a video from years ago when he was a little kid of him, like all his, it, I guess he had a video of like showing off his games. And they were like, oh, I, I play Call of Duty, you know, come uh, come over and, and play with me. And he had Grand Theft Auto V and all this other stuff, right? Here's the thing about that, right? Uh, and in, in, that, in, that, in that expose, if you want to call it that, they mentioned a, um, a quote that was in one of the games. And it says, um, it's a weird translation. I'll tell you why it's that way in a moment. Uh, it translates to I am become death. Uh, I am the destroyer of worlds. That, and then they attributed that for being in a video game, right? So supposedly Ethan said it and they said, oh, it was in this video game. So he must, in video games must be why he's that way. That quote is actually from a, uh, it's from uh, some sort of uh, Indian text. Right. Uh, and they did say that it was possibly one of the more famous and also more misunderstood quotes. So unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to research it further. So I apologize for that. But it's not a video game quote. It is a it's a quote from literature. That just happened to show up in a video game and then ended up, well, it has to be the games. It's the violent video games. That's why he did it. Not the fact that his that his parents are right wing douchebags. And just pushed the gun culture on the kid, and the kid had actual the kid had emotional problems, and I didn't do anything about it. So Fox News's drunken grandma Janine Pirro 
basically said that it was the liberals' fault because uh, they were like, well, why didn't they check Ethan's backpack? Uh, well, did they check his backpack? No. But they saw all the warning signs and tried to get his parents involved. And his parents were like, oh, he's fine. <laughs> I'll just bake him some cookies when he gets home. That'll make him feel better. You know, uh, the Hill Rising co-host and woman who yells at at uh, bakery workers because she feels her muffins didn't have enough blueberries. Uh, Kim Iverson. Uh I was trying to find more information on Kim Iverson, and I know this is very, very nitpicky, but Kim Iverson, if you look at her, she doesn't look like, and I know this doesn't really matter, but I always found, I always found these things to be fascinating. Uh, she's a big proponent of like, I'm just going to call it white rights for lack of a better term, but I don't think she's actually white. Not that it matters, but I like this is just a nitpick on my part. But you know, I always, you know, people like uh Nikki Haley and Bobby Jindal and people who just try to, I don't know, try to pass for lack of a better term. I don't know. I'm just talking out the side of my ass on that part. But Kim Iverson basically said that news outlets like the Young Turks are causing a panic by stating that uh that like white people are dangerous and that they're all domestic terrorists. Nobody said that all white people are domestic terrorists, but a lot of domestic terrorists just happen to be white. This is from the New York times. Okay. Uh, and this is from 2020 white supremacists and other like-minded groups have committed a majority of the terrorist attacks in the United States this year. And like I said, this is 2020 according to a report, by a security think tank that echoed warnings made by the Department of Homeland Security this month. The report, published Thursday by the Center for Strategic and International Studies, found that white supremacist groups were responsible for 41 of the 61 terrorist plots and attacks in the first eight months of the year, or 67%. The findings come uh, about two weeks after an annual assessment by the Department of Homeland Security warned that violent white supremacy was the most persistent and lethal threat in the homeland and that white supremacists were the most deadly among domestic terrorists in recent years. So here, here's, here's a little something for you, Kim, because uh, you're supposed to be a, a fucking journalist, right? Why don't you just do some fucking journalism? Okay. I am not a, I, I didn't go to journalism school. I don't have a degree in this shit. You know how I, and, but the New York Times are journalists and they print their stuff. You can just look it up and read it because they have reporters who go out and gather this information. So even if you're not an actual journalist, even though you're on a, a major publication like The Hill, maybe you should just read a fucking article, Kim. And stop getting on people who are just enlightening people with actual facts, Kim. Okay? You have to actually... Well, that's the thing. If you're on the right wing, you don't have to know what you're talking about. You just have to be convincing. What, what, what's the old saying, Blue? Fake it till you make it? <laughs> the problem with these right-wingers is that there's way too much money in being a right-winger. That's why people like uh, like Dave Rubin and Jimmy Dore and Glenn Greenwald, that's why they all switched. And now they have million-dollar homes, right? All of a sudden, Jimmy Dore, you know, he was doing this thing when he was on Young Turks, and then he became a right-winger, anti-vaxxer, and now all of a sudden, he has like a, a million-dollar house now. Now he's got money because right-wingers just throw money at shit. That's why Dave Rubin has a, a, a $5 million home. Because basically, right-wingers just, and it's not just the right-wing audience, it's the right-wing uh, think tanks. You think the Blaze, uh, what's his name, uh, the Colonel Sanders-looking dude now, uh, Glenn Beck, you think people are actually watching the Blaze? You think they're watching Candace Owens and her ruined edges 
on the Blaze. You think they're watching what's his name? Uh he used to be on Fox Sports, the, the sportscaster guy, the guy who Charlemagne always calls the fat man with the fedora. Uh Jason Whitlock. You think they really give a shit about what Jason Whitlock has to say? No. But because they're spreading that message, these uh these Republican sugar daddies will just keep giving these people money to keep them on the air. Because if they had to stay on the air based on their actual viewership, they'd have went out of business years ago. And the stuff that they're pushing out there is that, hey, we need guns or else, uh, you know, we need guns so that, you know, if the government decides to turn tyrannical, that we can just rise up against the government like they watched uh, Red Dawn one too many times. Now, I know on January 6th, they did a pretty good job against an under uh, understaffed police force, right? They beat up a lot of cops. They even killed a couple of cops, right? How do you think those same gravy seals would have done against, uh, I don't know, the National Guard? How long do you think that insurrection would have lasted if the National Guard was out there, like they were, like they were supposed to be? And Trump actually had them held back because he didn't want his precious protesters to get hurt. That would have lasted eight seconds if the National Guard was out there. So, yeah, they would have taken those AR-15s and shoved them right up their asses. So this whole thing is just about spreading fear. Now, you figure somebody like Ethan Crumley, uh, the right wing is not rushing to embrace him the way that they embraced uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Like they think Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero. Like if they, if they saw Kyle Rittenhouse right now, they'd put him on their shoulders and carry him down the street. Like Rudy from that fucking movie. Um, while they're not embracing Ethan and saying that he was right in what he did, they're trying to deflect because they don't want the conversation of gun control to come up. So they're just spreading all this noise. It's a cacophony of nonsense because they don't want the conversation of gun control to come up. But I think, I think that they're safe as far as that goes. Because after Newtown, when they killed, what, 23, 24 uh, grade school children? If we didn't have gun control after that, we're never going to have gun control. So the question is, and if we don't have if we didn't have gun control after what happened in Vegas, we're never going to have gun control. So the question is, how many people have to die at once? Because obviously we lose thirty to forty thousand people a year in in in, uh, in gun deaths. So that number is not really affecting anything. The question is. How many people must die at once for people to say, wow, we really got to do something about this? So it, it's it's absolute, it's absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. You know, I mean, there was a time where we had gun control. There was a time where in the South, you couldn't conceal carry. You had to check your guns at the door before you even walk in the town because they didn't want people walking around shooting each other. And now we're at the point where it's, they feel it's easier to train kids to deal with active shooters than it is to, oh, I don't know, uh, control the guns. And those same people who are willing to let kids uh, be on the front line like Vietnam soldiers or the same ones who are like, hey, we should, we should overturn Roe v. Wade so we could just make more kids to just put in the front lines and let them get shot in school. So this is the country we live in, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're basically the little Wayne of the world. You know, we suck, but because we tell people that we're the best and we're confident with it, people actually believe it. So... I want to talk about one last really quick thing before uh, before we wrap up. Uh, Blue, let me ask you a quick question. Okay, this is a very open ended question. What do you th- what do you think of Kamala Harris right now? 
Comma who? Comma what? Comma who? Comma what? Let's just say what you say. I don't care what she say. Ain't heard a word out of her since she won for USA. Since she became VP, where the hell has she be? I don't see her. You don't see her. Where the fuck do we be talking about she black? But now where is she at? Ain't heard a word from her since he got back on the track. He said, if you ain't black, if you don't vote for me. But he ain't the shit for us since he became the president. See? Mm. sorry about that i really should have like water if i'm going to talk this long uh i i I will say this about kamala the cop uh kamala kamala harris is basically the living embodiment of be careful what you wish for because now she's she's the first female vice president. She's the first, uh, I think she's half Indian. So she's like the first, you know, uh, next to the East Asian. Don't quote me on that part. Uh, and then the first black, you know, she checks off a lot of boxes. Let's just put it like that. But Kamala Harris is basically... Uh, you could just have a cardboard cutout and it would it would have the same effect, you know, because Kamala Harris does not have the courage of her convictions. So basically now Joe Biden plans on running again. But before Joe Biden made that announcement, the uh, the corporate Democrats were really trying to push between Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg. And Pete Buttigieg had a, uh, I don't know if it was on Amazon or if it was on, on Hulu. I think it's on Amazon because the, the Hillary Clinton biography was on Hulu. Yeah. And I was watching Chapel Trap House and they actually watched that Pete Buttigieg uh, documentary. And one of them said, watch that documentary was like trying to swallow a charcoal briquette. <laughs> like that's how, that's how hard to swallow that thing was. Like Mayor Pete is just basically... They called him swaggerless. And I'm just like, yeah. I mean, he's basically just uh I don't even know how to describe Mayor Pete, but if if, if those if those are our choices, like say let's say Joe Biden didn't run and our choices were either Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg, it's just uh the future is just so dark. But Kamala is just miserable right now because she feels that Joe Biden is not. You know what Kamala Harris reminds me of? She reminds me of Melania Trump. In one respect, okay, hear me out. When Melania Trump married Donald Trump, do you think that she thought their relationship was going to last this long? Or did she think that Donald Trump was just going to die? And then she'd just become a wealthy widow. And that would just be the end of it. She had no idea Donald Trump was going to live this long and become president. Oh, my God. It's just torture for her. You know, she made the wrong decision. She was probably better off back in Slovenia than having to to have sex with that orange walrus and then make a a dead-eyed little kid. Ugh. Little creepy little bastard. Talk about Baron Jesus. And he's going to be another one of Donald Trump's grown-up jizz balls walking around just being a douchebag. And then you figure, uh, yeah, Kamala's just regretting it now. You know, just regretting being vice president and she's just, she's just hating it. You know, it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me smile. You know, I, I, know, it's, I, know, I know it sounds like I'm smiling based on my tone. But I mean, it's just a matter of be careful what you wish for, because you just may get it. So we'll see. We'll see if, if Kamala can turn it around. But right now, as low as Joe Biden's approval rating is, Kamala's is that much lower. Like, no, it's not that no one, no one likes Kamala. No one ever liked Kamala. That was the problem. And like I said, if Amy Klobuchar didn't basically give George Floyd's killer is a pass before Klobuchar would have been vice president, not Kamala Harris. The only reason why Joe Biden said he wanted a woman of color is so that jackass in South Carolina 
oh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, whoever the, the rep out there was that, that pushed Joe Biden and helped him win South Carolina. It's the only reason why he got him to, why he said he wanted a woman of color. But he was going to pick Klobuchar. And like I said, Klobuchar got in trouble because after the George Floyd thing. So they tried to wait it out and people weren't forgetting it. So they were like, ah, oh, fine, we'll just take Kabbalah. She was the consolation prize. They didn't really want her. But no one liked Kamala. She just filled the need, and that was that. So she's waiting for Joe to die. When, once again, she's, she, she figures, hey, I'll be I'll be vice president for 18 months tops, and Joe Biden's going to die, and I'm going to be president. Same way Gerald Ford got to be president, you know, after uh, after the whole thing with, uh, with Nixon. Guess what? Joe Biden is going to outlive us all. He's going to be 117 years old, still talking about corn pop. <laughs> so yeah good luck with that kamala be careful what you wish for you just may get it mr blue what are your final thoughts my final thoughts is be wary of what's on instagram things that you think might be good may actually not be so good use your money wisely because it might not be here tomorrow. You can go to Merck's GoFundMe at Fun Merck. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to keep it simple. Basically, just take care of each other. You know, get vaccinated. Where and I'll put it like this: If you're not going to get vaccinated for whatever reason, fine. At least wear your masks when you go to the store, for Christ's sakes. So, Mr. Blue, play us off, sir. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as this one, Politrix, with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. Be well and be great. Be well and be great. Oh, I guess I won't be able to leave that clip. Um. <laughs> <laughs>